0: Hello, my gardening friends, and welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. Way back in episode one, the introduction episode, I briefly mentioned that my love of gardening and my naivety of how easy it was, was partly responsible for the beginnings of our farming adventures. During that episode, I mentioned we started selling to the public through a CSA or community supported agriculture program. I also mentioned that I would eventually do an entire episode on what that is, and well, here we are, 68 episodes later, and I'm finally getting there. So what is a CSA? How is it different from a subscription box shipped to you from a company you found online or that found you through some data tracking algorithm? And why is a CSA a great way to support your local food system? We're digging into all that and more on today's episode. So real quickly, if the audio sounds a little bit different on today's episode, it is because I am sitting on the floor in the crafting room at my mom's house <laughs> um, recording this episode because we are visiting for Thanksgiving and I figured I would still continue to record while we're here. So brought my mobile stuff with me, but the acoustics are different than what you're probably used to. So I will sound a little bit different in this episode and possibly the next episode. So, so to understand... How CSAs started. You have to understand a little bit about the farm to table movement here in the U.S. It started back in the 1960s and the 70s. Farm to table, for all intents and purposes, began as a revolt um, against the processed food systems that had been built up during the 1950s and into the 60s. The advent of canned and boxed and frozen foods had helped to build an industry based on producing long-lasting foods that were also often less expensive to produce than what a consumer could make from the equivalent fresh products. Of course, that longevity and the price really did make for a profitable business model, but the nutritional value and the quality of mass-produced products left something to be desired, and honestly, it still does for the most part. So by the 1960s and 70s, there was a social movement building to push back against processed products, encouraging people to focus on local and organic foods over mass-produced ones. Pretty soon, this movement began influencing the larger food industry. As an example, Chef Alice Waters opened Chez Panis in Berkeley, California in 1971, and that was the first farm-to-table restaurant of our modern era. Now, around the same time in Japan, community farming initiatives were getting underway. Groups of families were getting together with their local farms and forming partnerships through annual subscriptions called the Take system. Now, here in the U.S., Booker T. Whatley was a professor at Tuskegee University, and he defined a concept he called clientele membership clubs, in which members paid an upfront fee to pick their own produce off the farm all season long. It was sort of the advent of the you pick farms concept. Now, these community farming concepts began to take hold in Europe at the same time as well. Based on ideas of non-chemical agriculture and a desire for a closer relationship between the farmer and the consumer, a group of European farmers formed a community land trust in 1968. It was a co-op. And it was called Agriculturally Cooperating Community. And it was where the non-farming community um, granted loans to the farmers. And that ultimately led to membership programs. These concepts eventually made their way across the pond to become our modern CSA programs. The advent of the CSA program in the US is a really interesting story and there's a great article on the Rodale Institute website that I'll link to in the show notes that details how two farms, separately from each other but simultaneously, created the CSA concept in the United States in 1986. Now, this was an even further step into the farm-to-table movement and the idea that local foods are not only better for consumers, but they also strengthen local communities. So even though farm-to-table can be traced as far back as that Japanese teikei system in 1965 and Alice Waters Restaurant in 1971, this explosion of the farm-to-table movement didn't really come until like the early 2000s-ish farmers markets and farm to fork restaurants started to pop up everywhere. Um, Restaurants like the Herb Farm in Seattle or The Kitchen in Boulder, Colorado. Farm co-op storefronts very quickly, quickly followed behind that. And today, farm to table restaurants and farmers markets can be found in just about every major city nationwide. The CSA concept has continued to grow right alongside, providing direct support for hundreds of small farms while providing local, nutritionally superior foods to thousands of families. So, what is it? What is community supported agriculture? And how is a true CSA different from a box subscription shipped to your front door? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg in williamsburg virginia there's never too much of a good thing whether you're a foodie a golfer a history buff a shopaholic an outdoor enthusiast or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want discover williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. community supported agriculture in its original form is an investment by members of the community in one or more of their local farms A person or a family makes an investment of a certain amount to buy a share in the farm's harvest. The way this has been done across the past three decades has differed from farm to farm. Some farms give members a fixed price for a specific sized share. Some ask members of the community for a pledge based on the farm's operating budget or a specific need rather than a fixed price. But the concept of both is the same. The community supports the efforts of the farm in the off season, provides capital for the farm to purchase their seeds and their supplies, and in return, the shareholders receive the dividends of their investment in the form of a portion of the harvest. In this way, the community shares in the risks and the rewards of farming right alongside the farmer. If the farm has a bumper crop, the shareholders get to partake in that bounty. If the farm has a crop failure, the shareholders feel the effect of that too. So why do it this way? Why shouldn't the farmers assume all the risks involved and just sell the food they produce to the consumer through a farmer's market stand or a a co-op? Or better yet, why shouldn't they just grow one or two crops on a larger scale and wholesale it to a broker instead of selling it direct to the consumer? Why should the consumer take a chance that the money they invest in the farm doesn't yield the same amount of food for their family that they could have just purchased at the grocery store? There are a lot of reasons why a CSA model is a good one for both the farmer and the consumer. Many of them are the same reasons why eating more locally grown foods is a good idea in general. So besides avoiding the obvious problems of scaling up to be large enough to sell wholesale or scaling back to more of a monoculture in order to be able to provide the volume necessary to sell wholesale, there are other reasons a CSA is good for a farmer who wants to sell direct to consumer. First thing, it's better cash flow for the farm as they plan for a new season. Early payments from the CSA shareholders means enough money to buy seeds, farm supplies, and to plan for labor expenses at the start of the season. And secondly, when farmers know where their harvest is going before the beginning of the season, they can plan the use of their resources much more efficiently, which means less waste of money and less waste of a good crop. The guaranteed customer base in a CSA program allows the farmer to know that their harvest is going out the door no matter what. They're not relying on a sometimes fickle market to move their product. Now, instead of spending their time during the busiest time of the season marketing what they've already been growing, farmers can perform that task in the winter, marketing the fruits and vegetables that they plan to grow. That way, during the height of the growing season, they have more time to focus on what's most important, growing you really good fruits and veggies. And then having a strong CSA membership eliminates the middleman. The farmer gets to sell directly to you and ends up with more profit in their pockets, which they can then reinvest into their business and into the local community. And then finally... For the farmer, it means they get to grow more fun stuff. Many small farmers love to have a CSA program because most folks investing in the farm like variety. And this means that the farmer gets to experiment with growing really cool heirloom varieties that they never would be able to grow and sell in mass to a wholesale distributor. I mean, let's face it, just like any job, doing the same thing over and over again on the farm can get boring. So trying really old varieties or really new ones can keep the job interesting for everyone involved. And the freedom of a CSA program allows the farmer to do that. Now, for the consumer, what are the benefits to belonging to a CSA? Why would you choose to share the risks with a local farmer or group of farmers rather than just heading to the grocery store to get your produce each week? First things first, it's better tasting, more nutritious food. In most instances, your CSA share is going to contain produce that was picked within the previous 24 hours and oftentimes just within a few hours of you picking it up or it showing up at your doorstep. This translates not only into better tasting food, but foods that are more nutrient dense. Why is this? Because these items don't need to travel very far, they can remain on the plant longer. There is no need to pick them before their peak of ripeness in order to survive a lengthy trip to the store and then sit on the shelves waiting for you to come by and pick them out. This means they get more time to develop their full flavor. That short travel distance also means less chance to degrade the vital nutrients. The longer a fruit or veggie has been off the plant, the more the nutrients have degraded. That means the items in a CSA share that were picked the night before or even the morning of your pickup are far superior nutritionally to those that were picked a week ago and traveled 1,500 miles to get to the store. Now, could you go get those same items at the farmer's market from the same farmer? Probably, but not always. Which leads me to point number two. You get the cream of the crop. A CSA member always gets the first of the harvest and the best of the harvest. In our area of the Midwest, it's all about those summer tomatoes. The very first ripe tomatoes of the season fly off the farmer's market table, and there's never enough to go around for at least the first month of harvest. CSA members get those tomatoes in their boxes before they're ever even offered to market customers. And if there's a crop that's in limited supply, say garlic or a crop that didn't do as well, like maybe green beans, the CSA members may be the only ones to get those items that season. This is part of the payoff for being an investor in the farm and a partner rather than just a customer. And remember those fun varieties the farmer gets to play around with growing? Yeah, you get those too. Speaking of partners, that's another benefit. If you are part of a CSA, you get a chance to know who it is that's growing your food. Most CSA farms send out a newsletter to their CSA members, letting them know what's going on with the farm and the harvests. Many of them host their pickup locations at farmer's markets or on the farm themselves so that members get a chance to actually meet and talk with their farmer on a regular basis. And even if the farm is providing home delivery and you never actually get to see them face to face, the farmer is just an email or phone call away. It's a relationship with the people who are providing you and your family with sustenance, and it's a special connection. Now, the fourth way a CSA benefits the consumer is you're helping the environment. Most CSA farms are either organic or naturally grown, meaning less pesticides, herbicides, and chemical fertilizers going into our soils and our watersheds. And your continued support of that farm means they will continue to do things that way because they can actually pay their bills. And even if that CSA farm groans conventionally, you're still having a positive impact on the environment by purchasing more of your food locally. This can reduce the use of fossil fuels and greenhouse gas emissions by consuming few foods transported over long distances. And then finally, having a relationship with the farmer also means a safer food supply. The more steps there are between you and your food's source, the more chances there are for contamination. The number of people and steps involved in harvesting, washing, shipping, and distributing of food increases the possibility of contamination and disease outbreaks. In many instances with a CSA farm, the same person planted, harvested, washed, packed, and delivered your food. So since most gardeners are unable to grow all of the food that they need to meet their family's needs, the next best thing is to get it directly from the farmer. And a CSA is a great way to do that. Now, I said a CSA is different than a box subscription service, and that's true. With many of the subscription services that you find online, the product in those boxes is being shipped into whatever packing house they work out of and then boxed up and then shipped to you. I'm not so sure that's any better than it being shipped to the distribution center and then being sent to the grocery store for you to pick up. It might be more convenient but your food just went through another whole set of hands before getting to yours. Plus, unless the subscription service is working directly with the farmers and not another wholesale distributor, it's not benefiting the farms in any way. There are, however, local subscription boxes, and they sort of work in the same way as a CSA. It may be from one farm or from multiple farms. You'll get a weekly box. You may or may not be able to customize the box. It depends on the farm. But instead of making your commitment in the off season in terms of dollars, you make a commitment in terms of a subscription. So the farmer doesn't actually get any capital up front, but they get the pledge from you that you will buy a box every week for a specific duration of the season. When that time rolls around, you're charged weekly for the box instead of paying the lump sum all at once months earlier. So it's sort of a CSA subscription hybrid, and it's working really well for many farms that prefer to have a steady weekly income during the season rather than the working capital up front. So there are plenty of variations on how payments work, how the product is delivered, and what's included in a CSA depending on where you live and the farms involved. Joining a CSA is a great way to get your family's weekly produce needs met. And some farms provide even more than that in the way of meat, eggs, dairy, baked goods, and other items. You may get exposed to veggies you've never tried before. You may make a whole bunch of new friends in the farming community. And you may get inspiration for things you'll want to grow in your own garden. And you're supporting local foods and local businesses, and that's good for everybody. So now is the time to start looking for a CSA in your area. And if you have someone to shop for, CSA memberships make a great gift. And if you're local to our area, I hate to say it, but our program is always full and we likely won't have room for any new members. But I encourage everyone to jump on a site like localharvest.org or even just type in CSA in wherever you are into your favorite search engine. And I promise, if you're in the U.S., you'll find an option. I also hope if you're outside the U.S. that you'll find something similar in your area. I really do believe they are a great way to support small farms, and they're a great way to supplement the produce that's coming out of your own garden. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll talk to you again soon. you've just listened to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast, don't forget to download the episode after you've listened. Rate and review us in your podcast player, if that's an option, and follow us on Instagram at Podcast. All these things help gardeners like you find me and hopefully join the Just Grow Something family. Don't forget to send in those gardening questions through a voice message at the link in the show notes or via email to grow at JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden and I will talk to you again soon.